Okay. <laughs> what do we need? Yeah, you're supposed to be an owl or something. Oh, no, I let the secret out. Don's the owl. <laughs> Hang on. Let me put on my costume. <laughs> Welcome to the Boiled Owl Coffee Club Podcast, the meeting after the meeting where we talk about our experience living sober. We don't speak for Alcoholics Anonymous. This is only our experience. We have no monopoly on sobriety. If you don't like our approach, that's okay. There's lots of ways to live, and there's lots of ways to live sober. This works for us. I'm Don. And I'm Sam. There you are, Sam. Well, Don, I've been sitting here for a while. What's up? <laughs> well, you, you, I don't know. You kind of fade in and out of uh, reality. and you, you keep going into your gaseous form. There. Well, I, I'm finally That's achieving true. that state. I've been around you long enough trying to get there. That I mean, spiritual gassiness. The spiritual gas giant. <laughs> thank you. So uh, I've got a joke. I don't want to. Not again. Yes, I got one again that I heard at the meeting uh, yesterday. Oh, that one. Yeah. So a guy has a flat tire at night and realizes he doesn't have a tire jack. So he sees a light on a farmhouse down the road. He starts walking. And as he's walking, he's thinking, now this whole thing's pointless. They're not going to have a jack. And then he starts thinking, well, the guy, you know, he might have a jack, but he probably won't want to loan it to me. And he's thinking, ah, this guy's probably going to tell me to get the hell off of the property. <laughs> so he gets up to the stoop and uh, rings the doorbell and the, the door opens. The guy's standing there and, uh, and the alcoholic says, you know what, buddy? Fuck you and your jack. I don't need it. And he leaves. <laughs> 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 That's really funny, Don. <laughs> I'm using the <laughs> Oh, perception. You know how we are in our minds. Well, I know how I am in my mind, and I'm afraid of what's in yours. <laughs> but I've well, seen some drawings. <laughs> well, I don't mind. Uh, we're all matter. And it oh, doesn't matter. God. You're getting deep. So, Don, I brought a I brought a, a a little prop for us today. Oh, really? So, you mentioned uh, uh, your meditation thing mm. and this monkey mind of yours that can't even manage to count ten breaths. Right. I, I, what I do is try and breathe in and breathe out, and I count one as I breathe out, and then one as I breathe in, and then two as I breathe out, and then two as I breathe in. And try and get to 10, which is that's uh, to breathing, just to be in the present, in the present moment, paying attention to my breathing. But it's hard because my monkey mind gut takes off and I'll start thinking about what the cat's doing or something. Yeah. And, and then you also said that you start over when you lose mm. count, you start over, right? That's right. So, so, yeah, so you're meditating over. like three or four hours a day, just trying to get <laughs> yeah, 10 breaths. Trying in. to get 10 breaths. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, I, I brought this, uh, this mandala that I had made at a local shop, uh, beads made of stone with, uh, they're all one size except for one big one on there. It's like it looks like a necklace. Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of like a giant break, bracelet or a little necklace. Yeah, and uh, and or what, a rosary. Or it's it well, it kind of is like a rosary. I mean, so I use it for counting breaths, and so it's got thirty small beads on it and one big one, and so I start uh, doing my breathing, and I'll just move the uh, the beads along in my hand as I'm going, and when I get to the big one, I'm done. That's cool. That does it help you concentrate? Yeah, when I pick the thing up and actually use it. <laughs> well, that's the hard part. It really is. The the biggest obstacle to going to the gym is it's the, front the front door, door. <laughs> every time. <laughs> well, we have a guest. We do have a guest. Hi, guest. Who are you? Hey, I'm Tyler. Hey, Tyler. I'm glad you joined us. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for asking me to do this. Yeah, I'm. I'm glad you joined us. When did you get sober? <clears throat> so I got sober July 11th, 2017. All right. So I'm coming up hopefully on two years um, if I make it over these next couple months. That's awesome. That is fantastic. Now, do you typically identify yourself as sober? Um, I typically identify myself as a person in recovery. Oh, okay. 
Um, I, I do work a 12-step program. However, I think that identifying myself as a person in recovery is a little less stigmatizing. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm a little more non-traditional, but it, it's worked so far. Cool. So now I uh, I know you most as friends on Facebook, and we've been in the vicinity of each other several mm-hmm. times. Yeah, definitely. Uh, really enjoy you on Facebook. Thank uh, you. Thank you. <laughs> and I note that uh, that on Facebook you are um, are pretty open about your recovery. And uh, I mean, you you did an event recently, uh, screening of the anonymous people. I think. Yeah, definitely. A um, couple months ago. So I am the president of the Titan Recovery Program. Um, which is the collegiate recovery community at Guilford Technical Community College. Last month, we showed the documentary, The Anonymous People, and afterwards we had a panel discussion just kind of talking about stigma in the community um, and and how anonymity kind of perpetuates stigma um, and how being open about recovery really empowers people and and empowers the community of recovery and, and helps more people. Find it. What What do you mean yeah. it promotes stigma? Or so. So for a long, long time, people have been really ashamed of addiction, of alcoholism, um, and, and that's kind of how the the anonymity started in the twelve step program. Is is people didn't want others to know that they were alcoholics or that they were addicts because there was a chance that they could lose their jobs or, or their family would be upset. Um, so well, so they'd feel safe coming to. A, a recovery program. Yeah, they, they would feel safe doing that. Um, however, over the years, as we've learned more about addiction, as science has proved that it's it's an, it's a disease now, mm-hmm. um, it got recognized as such in like the 50 and 53 or something like that. It's it's really changed. And, and so it, it, it promotes stigma because people don't want to talk about it. Um, it's kind of like, oh, that's that bad thing that that person over there has addiction. So it's just so, so we shouldn't talk about it or um, we don't want anybody to know that that person is an alcoholic because that's so bad. Um, so, so that anonymity that's that's been used in the program, it has done good, um, but it's also really, really perpetuated that stigma and um, kept people sick for a long time. What? That's interesting. I, you know, I had a lot of problems with anonymity when I came in trying to figure it out. And I appreciated the anonymity when I first got sober. I didn't want people knowing that I was going to Alcoholics Anonymous because I didn't want people knowing I had a problem with alcohol, though it turned out everybody pretty much knew I had a problem <laughs> yeah, with same, alcohol. Same here. But it's different. The way I felt about it was different. And, uh, I remember going to a meeting at a church and that I, had, I hadn't been to before, and it was like just painful to ask someone, where is the AA meeting? Because then they would know why I was there. Yeah, know? but what was even worse is somebody might see you walking into a church. <laughs> that, that, too. that is true. <laughs> Not Seriously, there are something to that. The door of a church. You know, so one of the things that I think is really a, an important distinction, I, I watched the anonymous people when it came out. It's it's been out for a few years. Yeah, now, it's been right? out for probably ten years or something. Oh, like okay. That. So, it's been out a while. Yeah. I don't know exactly what year, but it's been a while. But I so I did watch it a few years ago, and um, and one of the things that I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, is is they were talking about recovery. Um, being, you know, not being anonymous about being in recovery, whereas in the uh, the twelve step programs, I'm a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm also a member of Crystal Meth Anonymous. Okay. Um, but I do not associate my face nor my full name with being a member of those programs. But I will speak and share freely uh, and have done so at the public level. I've posted publicly on Facebook that I am Sam, last name, uh, you know, it's obvious on Facebook who I am and that I'm a member, I'm in recovery. Uh, I'm in long-term recovery from from addiction, from alcohol, um, but I don't mention that I'm a member of such and such 12-step program. You say you're in recovery. Yeah, exactly. And so to do that uh, I, for me is, is aligning with the ideas presented within anonymous people of saying, Hey, you know, here's someone who's seemingly got his life together 
It wasn't that way a while ago. I was a total mess. And if your life has gone to shit or is going to shit, hey, give me a shout. Let's talk. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I definitely believe that 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 what you're saying um definitely lines up with what the recovery um movement is supposed to be about. Mm-hmm. Um, what they talk about in the anonymous people. Um, and then also aligns with the traditions is outlined um in twelve step recovery, which is really cool. Yeah. Well, so, you know. We were talking before about Dr. Bob and the good old timers. Yep. And then there it tells a story about Dr. Bob uh, saying with with a lot of uh, almost contempt for the person he was talking to. He's going in. The tradition says that we're anonymous at the level of press, radio, and films. So at the level of means anything at that level and above. Below that level, we're not anonymous. So... And he's saying to not be anonymous in your community yes. so that people can find you. It's not about being hidden. It's about um, making it safe for people to come in. Then there's the other element of the anonymity, which is something that I struggle with, which is to keep my ego out of it and not yeah. to be self-promoting. And also for individuals to not represent AA as they are the representative of AA, because people who don't know anything about it will think, easily could think that someone talking with great authority about Alcoholics Anonymous represents AA. Mm-hmm. And, and that can be damning. You know, it can be absolutely amazing if that turns out to be like a really good example. Double but you know sword. what? Humans fail. Yes, and, they do. And and so, uh, you know, for something that is as vulnerable to the stigma as it already is, to have a failed personality, big personality yes. associated with the recovery, uh, particularly a particular program, could be a real disservice to people who are in that program, but also to people who will be coming to that program. An old timer told me that Johnny Cash uh, came out as going to AA and was recovered a couple of times. There you <laughs> Which go. Which means yeah. he got, he got yeah. drunk and he was like, people were saying, don't, you can't talk about it. You can't yeah. share it because a lot of people following Johnny Cash, just like going, well, it doesn't work. He said he went to AA and then he got drunk, so it doesn't work. Well, and, and, but I think one of the big things to look at in all of this in, is that um, it's that there are other programs. There's Refuge Recovery, yeah, Refuge, there's Smart, Smart Recovery. recovery. Smart Recovery is kind of cool. Um, I've checked it out a couple times. It wasn't as great as I thought it was going to be. Um, but one of, the, one of the main reasons why I really stick to um, AA or NA, um, and, and like I said, my primary uh, 12-step program is NA, mm-hmm. um, but I do a lot with the young people in AA, um, but I, I really stick to that because that community of recovery is so important, um, and with like Refuge Recovery or with Smart Recovery, the communities aren't as big, they're not as tight, um, so, that, so it's re- been really beneficial to have a good community of AA around here. Mm-hmm. I totally get that. I, I, I got to be connected with my people. And, um, you know, I have yet to go to uh, refuge recovery. I know it's growing around here, but I've not been to a meeting and uh, I've never experienced anything with smart recovery other than knowing a friend who uh, who had done that for a while. Refuge recovery is pretty cool. There's a meeting that I go to in High Point every once in a while. Um, I haven't been to the one out here in Greensboro yet, but the one in reco- in High Point is pretty cool. Um, I have a really, really hard time meditating, kind of like what Don was <laughs> saying. Um, I, I can't sit still. I can't breathe right. Um, so, so it's really hard to do that mindfulness stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but the times that I have gone afterwards, um, I've, I've really felt better. Is mindfulness a factor in refuge recovery? It is. Yeah. It Isn't is. it? Um, is it? Is it Buddhist yeah, in it, nature? It, it follows the the Buddhist eightfold path. That um, sounds familiar to yeah. recovery. Um, so it's it's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. And then smart recovery is about having tools of of actions, not not tools like our twelve steps, but plans in place of how to address things, something yeah, like that? it's more of a, a prevention and 
trying to think of how to explain it. it it's really interesting because I, I went thinking that it was going to be kind of more, more for like, I don't want to say logical thinkers, but yeah. I, I mean, just, I, it, it's, it's different. Um, they actually don't view addiction as a disease, which is something that I didn't agree with. Um, they, they say that we have control over it. Um, and I know for me, like once I take that first drink, it's all over for me. Yeah, I have no control whatsoever. So I had to, had to change that. Well, yeah, go my, ahead and try it. <laughs> well, there you go. My, my recovery does not include controlled drinking. Yeah. Uh, not, not one little bit. I mean, I, I think it's, it's good to, to try anything you want to try to get sober. And if yeah. it doesn't work, then go, then try something else. But, you know, I do think it's, good to pick something and stick with it at some point. I agree with that. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it, my experience has been AA is where I came and got sober. Uh, and then when I had my, uh, my restart, I still wasn't in AA, but I became active in crystal meth anonymous as well. I have since moved back into AA. Now, part of that's just because there's not a lot of CMA around the closest yeah. meetings over an hour drive. Wow. But it's also just one of those things of, you know, meth is not part of my story. Meeting people who were in recovery from meth kind of interrupted a relapse that I was in in AA. And, and so I felt a part of them. I connected with them. But meth isn't part of my story. So it's really not a fellowship that my experience is in that room. Okay. Alcohol is the thing that always kicked my ass. AA is what I stick with. I've been to NA meetings. I have gotten uh, something from NA meetings. I've been to Al-Anon meetings. And I've gotten something from Al-Anon meetings. But con consistently, AA is my home. And I, I like what you say about, you know, pick something. Try things out. Mm -hmm. But then pick something and stick with it. Yeah, definitely. I um so I actually I started working um the steps in AA when I got sober this time back in July 2017. Um I was living down in Wilmington. Um started helped start a um AA meeting down in Wilmington. Had an AA sponsor was working the steps. Wilmington has some brain damage group. They do. That's my that's my favorite name for a group. That's yeah. great. Yeah, it's a, that's a good meeting too. I I did a lot with AA. Um I was on the Nikki Pa host committee down there. What's um, Nikki Pa? Nikki Pa is the North Carolina Conference for Young People in AA. Um and it, and that's been a really big part of my recovery um is re remaining connected to other young people in recovery. Um I know that when I first got sober um, back when I was 17, there weren't really all that many young people. Everybody, all the meetings that I went to in High Point were like 65 year old white guys that smoke cigarettes and drink their coffee black. And here I am putting more sugar in my coffee than coffee. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so things have really changed and, and Nikki Pa has been a really big part of, of my recovery. But, but after working the steps down there, I moved back to High Point. Um, I completed the steps down there, and I decided that I wanted to, to do something different. Um, decided to try out NA just because they have that workbook that they work out of. And, and it's been going good so far. It's, it goes really in-depth. Um, some of the questions that it asks in the step working guide are really good questions. Um, really get me to look at myself. Do you have a NA sponsor? I do. Yeah. I do. His Crazy old man. He's yeah. wild. So <laughs> is you know, he sixty five? Uh, <laughs> I don't think he is, but he looks like it. Uh, drugs will wear your ass out. Won't <laughs> yeah, they will. Yeah, they will. <laughs> so you know, I, I have never, uh, I have never laid eyes on the NA workbook. I it's, hadn't heard of it. Yeah, you hadn't heard of it. No. Nope. Okay. I, I have heard of it. I've heard other folks I talk about one. it. Um, it's something that we should get informed on. How, how thick is this book? How long would tell um, us a little bit about it? So it's it's green and gold. Um, the cover's green and gold. I don't know how many pages are on it, but um, for each step, you have a section that you read, um, and then like there's anywhere from twenty five to seventy five questions, maybe more that wow. you that you answer per step. Are these like um, yes or no or no, open ended? They're, or? they're they're writing wow. open ended questions. Wow. Um, and and it, it's really cool because I know when I when I did my step work in AA. That outline that the book has is really, really good. Making the list um, really, really helped. But I've been able to write a lot more. I've been able to 
think of think of things that I wouldn't have thought of without the questions being asked. So it's it's, it's been really really beneficial. Neat. Yeah, yeah. Cool. You know, I just met with a sponsee this morning, and um, one of the reasons he asked me to sponsor him was because uh, he had already worked the steps with his first sponsor, and he wanted to experience working the steps someone else's way, another way, and how to uh, take someone else through the steps. You know, the first time I worked the steps, I wasn't doing it to learn how to take somebody else through the steps. I was no, scared not at all. shitless. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so... Um, We've been going through this book from Hazelden called 12-Step Sponsorship that was the manual that I got when I got my first sponsee because, like I said, I didn't know how to take somebody through the steps, and it helped. And so we're going through that, and one of the things that he uh, expressed today uh, was how much he is loving the fact that we're doing this, particularly since he just got a new sponsee, and we're on step two in this book, and he's on step two with his sponsee and, and all of this. And then it took it around to further conversation that when I first worked the steps with my first sponsor, I did it with the Joe and Charlie tapes. You know, we would sit and listen to a Joe and Charlie tape and work the steps with that. And so this business of working the steps from different angles, different methods, trying on other people's ways of doing it, I think is a really cool thing to try on. And you talking about the NA workbook and how it's, done that different look, a deeper look yeah. and a different, some questions that brought some things out. That sounds really attractive. Yeah, it's, it's really, really attractive. And that's one, that's one of the reasons why I switched up is I knew about the workbook. I knew about the basic text and I really like the way that the basic text um, looks at addiction as well. It's, it's really, really good reading. It's a more modern yeah. reading too. It's because it's, it's it, was that written in the seventies, I think. in the seventies. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's way more modern. It's been way more easy for me to read. Yeah. That's one thing about uh, reading the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. It really does help to have someone read it with <laughs> you because there is some archaic yeah. language in there that, you know, y- you need to decipher some of. Yeah, it. I've had to have my grandpa decipher a couple words. <laughs> <laughs> Why'd you look at Don when you said that? <laughs> really? I, I didn't understand it. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't make any sense out of the big book until I started going to a, a big book meeting and with my sponsor, when he would say, read this part, and then he talked to me about what it, what it meant, it was, seemed really foreign to me. Yeah. So. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, the big book's a, definitely a good read, but it's, it's just way before my time, I guess. I've, I had a really hard time reading it, but I did get a lot from the big book. Well, well. once you learn it, it's complete, if you're an alcoholic, it's completely applicable. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's spot on. on. It's exactly on it, but you do have to filter it. You have to learn what it's saying. Yeah. And then throw on top of that, you know, just some of the language. I mean, that chapter to wives, oh, you know, in today's today's society, yeah, that's, a, that's a tough chapter to read. It yeah, is. don't get me started on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. However, there's some really, I mean, there's some really good material in it. Yeah. yeah but really the, uh, the, the phraseology, is, the choice of words is just kind of... I had, some, I had someone yeah. uh, that I knew before I got sober who, who it turns out when I came into AA, she was in AA and I didn't know it. So I was, I was like really depending on her in some ways to, you know, it's proof that it worked. And we were in a meeting that was reading to the wives and I was complaining about the language and how uh, dated it was and that, you know, and, and she came up to me after the meeting and she said, Don, if I can get sober reading this chapter and reading this book, then you can get sober reading it. You you don't have to fight it. And and that was great because I was fighting the language. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was like, really, Oregon, this needs to be changed. This, you know, we've got to rewrite the big book. And she said, give it up. I got sober doing it. You can do it. You know, I think that's one of the, good. It's, it's one of the, the things that is a um, an odd feature, I think, of of a of recovering in AA, and and perhaps it translates to others as well. Um, CMA uses the big book as well, AA's big book, is the filter. I can still hear with a newcomer's ears how some of this shit sounds, yeah, and it will like make me cringe. Yeah, but the thing that I got clear on 
is that when I came in here and I was atheist and, and gay and, and like scared of, of men and like scared of people, period, and just like vulnerable and nobody comes into AA fucking happy. No. Um, and AA I, is the largest organization where the members, none of them, ever wanted, wanted to, be to be there. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And so, so hearing with those ears that I had when I came in, I totally get the, the cringeworthiness of some of the, the phrasing and such. But it's also that thing that, for me, this was the last stop on the block. Um, I was not able to stay sober, and I had already tried to kill myself. And I was able to hear what I needed to hear and the shit that didn't stick didn't need to stick. Don, I've, I've mentioned it on other podcasts. Uh, I was just talking with someone recently about it though. And that was hearing you speak sometime in the first two or three months of my recovery and you talking about the word God and mm-hmm. the problem that you had with it and hearing you speak about that helped me not have a problem with that word. That word alone was a sticking point for me in all of this material. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the words that are in there, the choice of phrase and all of that can get in the way if you want it to get in the way. And I think that's the kicker. If I don't want it to get in the way, if I'm willing to look past it and <clears throat> see or listen to what other people have to say as a possible interpretation of these things, then there's so much that I can get out of it that doesn't have to be hampered by the wording. There's also every alcoholic who comes in, and it was certainly the case for me, is it was my custom mentally to look to see what's wrong with what you're saying. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Find what's wrong and correct it. Well, yes, because, and you appreciate that. I'm doing you a service by pointing out what's wrong. Helping you out. Exactly. I swear for the first six months I was sober, I thought I was going to rewrite the big book. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, me too. I have a file on my computer. Oh, do you really? I still have the file. It's called Sunlight of the Spirit, and that was going to be the new title of the big book. I want to hear Don's version of the big book. i got to see that sometime. Can we start doing excerpt readings before the uh, the episodes? I, I had to give it up. <laughs> I'm going to dig it up. <laughs> so, Tyler, you know, one of the things that we, uh, we, we have totally not done with yeah. you is, like, Don's first big question of... What what brought you here? What got you into the rooms? What what was going on? What was going on inside of you? Oh God! That was you know because nobody wants to come to AA or NA. So I've been trying to get. I I first got sober when I was seventeen, and and since then over the next couple years it was a continuous cycle of being in and out, having a little bit of time not using um but not really doing any any work not working on myself still hanging around the same people um and, and it progressively got worse e- each year um as, as things went on it really really got worse so this time like i don't know i ended up homeless wow. I, I, I was like I, I was emotionally broken i was mentally broken i was i was physically broken I I really really didn't know what else to do, um, and I and I called my dad up and told him I was ready to go to treatment again. Um, so I went to treatment and and I got out and got a sponsor right away. Started working steps. Um, moved into an Oxford house or a recovery house. Had you been kicked out of the home? Yeah, I'd been kicked out of my grandparents' house. Um, I was living with my grandparents due mm-hmm. to previous trouble that i got in um I've, I've been to jail numerous times been to rehab countless times um so it's it's been a progressive cycle why didn't it work when you went to rehab because i didn't want it to mm-hmm. um I, I wasn't ready um i i thought that i knew everything so one thing that that's actually unique about my story, I guess, is that I was raised around um, a treatment center. So I thought that I knew all the answers. I thought that I would be able to outsmart this thing. My dad's a drug counselor, so I thought that I could... There's no way I could ever be an alcoholic or an addict. But needless to say, I got that gene, um, so so there is no escaping it. What does it mean to be ready? I guess being willing 
to to do whatever it takes. Um, I remember on the way to the treatment center, I, my dad looks at me and he's like, um, "You're gonna die if you don't stop." Um, and he had, and, and this is after uh, two overdoses as well. Um, mm-hmm. And and he told me that I was gonna die, and, and he told me to give it a year. He said, even if you don't work any steps, even if you don't go to meetings, like no matter what, just give it one year without using or drinking. Um, and, and if your life isn't better at all, the, the bars are still going to be open. The dope man's still going to be on the corner. Mm. Um, and, and I really held on to that. Him, him saying that really, really stuck to me and I, I made it a year. Um, well, our- well, what was, what was something that you said to be ready and to be willing? What's an example of something that you had to be willing to do that that was being put in front of you to do that you were like saying okay i don't want to do this but i'm going to do it because i'm willing what so i guess the, um one thing is the first step um the first step says it um we were powerless over alcohol um and, and like our lives are unmanageable and i knew that for a long long time um i admitted it all day long but but there was just that moment of clarity where i finally accepted it rather than just admitting it and, and decided that i would do whatever it took to to stay sober and and i got a sponsor and i really started like working on myself i tried to like be more aware of my behaviors if i was, if i'm feeling angry i try to like practice some forgiveness if i'm feeling sad like i i don't know i just try to do the opposite of whatever i'm feeling because most of the time my my thinking's pretty fucked up (laughs) yeah (laughs) so it it was just really changing everything about me um trying to be more honest and and i'm nowhere near perfect i'm still an asshole most days but you know if if i can not be an (laughs) asshole Four out of seven days of the week, you know, that's over 50%. Dude, I, I know from my own experience that 12-step recovery works on assholeism too. I know oh, yeah. I, I have much less of an asshole than I used to be. Yeah, definitely. And th- I think that's what, what really matters, you know, as long as I'm I'm trying to do something better tomorrow than I did today. Like, that's what it's about. So... It, it, it seems to me that uh, a thing that you're saying there about that first step that, you know, I, I knew that I was powerless over alcohol. My life was manageable, unmanageable, um, but accepting it. It sounds like that's the difference between old Tyler and, and new Tyler. The Tyler that was unwilling to do things and the Tyler that was willing to was this kind of this, this owning that this shit's fucked. Yeah. And really taking it seriously, believing it, taking it and holding it as, as, a, as a truth rather than something to brag about. Because, you know, in, in my drinking days and using days and all that shit, hell yeah, I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> yeah. Give me some more. Yeah, um, yeah, I used to brag about how yeah, much I could take in. <laughs> exactly. And then it's, it's so, so it's like there was a, there was a, a moment of clarity yeah, that we so often talk about. I remember um, the a, a couple days like before um, I went to treatment. I remember sitting. I was I was sitting in a hotel room doing what I was doing, and I remember like my heart was it, my heart felt like it was about to explode. I could barely breathe. Um, and what, and I what you say doing what you were doing doing some drugs? Yeah, I, I was doing a lot of cocaine, uh-huh. um, a lot of meth, a lot of heroin. Um, and, and like I, my, my heart, I, I remember like I physically could not stop using. I tried, I, I was laying there shaking. I knew that like my heart was about to explode and I could not stop using. And that was like, a, I, I had like just a, I don't know what it was, just another moment of clarity where I was like, I have got to do something different. Like, my life was in shambles again. And this was only after 10 days. Like I'd only been out using for 10 days after a re- like after relapsing. So it goes to hell quick. Yeah. Really quick. You think that's when you decided, okay, I'm going to get sober someone else's way, whatever they say. Yeah. Yeah. And I had tried it in the past. I would, I would take some sponsors suggestions, um, early on and, and I would, I would, I would put some work into the, to work in the steps and, and just trying to do the next right thing for a little bit. But 
I'd get tired of it. I'd get bored. I'd start getting caught up in my feelings. I'd have a lot of fear about the future, um, a lot of regret from the past, and and I'd just kind of give up on it and say fuck it. But this time, I've I've I really have. I think that I've put the the effort in to take other people's suggestions and and do it someone else's way. There's a, an Ooh. element of like you have to have a certain amount of self-knowledge it seems to me to know that okay here's these feelings what have I always done with some bad feeling inside of myself is to get out of it the way to get out of it was to get drunk for me mm-hmm. so that pressure comes up and then there it is well for the first time I remember the first time that came up to where it was make or break and I was going to get drunk or some, I had to do something different. But I was absolutely convinced that if I were to get drunk, it would be disaster. It was not going to fix it. It was not going to make everything better. It was not. I was not going to achieve some euphoria that was going to be to last. And I was going to. And I knew I had to do something different. So I'd really reached a point of just complete abandon to. No, I had reached a point where I was convinced that there, I had no choice but to do what they were saying in AA. And for me, that afternoon, I said a prayer, and which was absolutely ridiculous thing to do. Because <laughs> it's... Move. To what? Pray to what? Cow people. Move. <laughs> I'll not become... Flying spaghetti monster. ...weak-minded cow brain... <laughs> So, uh, you know, so I said a prayer and, and it worked. And I got through that afternoon. I was waiting for an eight o'clock meeting and this was like four o'clock. And there, there oh was my a God, isn't that hard it's a long fuck. way. That yeah. is tough. Yes. Yeah. That's a long way. It was. In the, in the very beginning, that's tough as hell. It was yeah. really long. Yeah. I didn't know I was going to do it. And another time it's like, okay, I'll call some of these numbers that I got. And I called and didn't get people. I got answering machines. That's how but, old he is. Yeah. But sometimes <laughs> I would get people. When I did, I talked to them. And, t- and I, t- I remember uh, one lady I talked to, and after about 20 minutes, she said, well, how are you feeling? Are you feeling okay? I said, yeah, I'm doing great. I was really appreciated. I think I've got to can get through this now. And uh, hung up the phone and, um, Dial the next number on the list. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good thing to do. Yeah, yeah and I just right. did. I got through the afternoon yeah. that time doing that. But that was all completely different behavior than anything I had done before. I would never have called somebody because I'm feeling out of sorts. Certainly early. don't want to talk about it. Yeah, I'm not going to talk about it. Definitely Especially to not. some stranger. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. You know, you said something, you know, you, got, you would get up into your head and um, I, uh, I, I was at a meeting recently, and I had already shared, so I did not share again, but someone shared, and I wanted to speak about it. And what they were talking about was, you know, this, this thing of getting up in their head about, you know, especially at night trying to go to sleep and that thing that I said 10 years ago, and, and remember when you did this, and, and it's like, I totally remember all that crap. I don't have that happen today. I don't have that happen today because I have worked the 12 steps in my life and I continue to, and it has addressed that shit that I didn't want to feel so that when I do have that foot and mouth thing going on, I clean it up instead of it being something that 10 years from now, I'm going to be thinking about, God damn, Sam, do you remember when you did this? this, this, this?" You piece of shit. Yeah. (laughs) And the you piece of shit stuff. It's not there. It's yeah. not there, and so it's not pushing me to not want to feel it, which how does an alcoholic or an addict not feel? Booze. And drugs, exactly. Yep. Freedom. Yep. It's I, freedom. I agree 100%. I, I'm definitely grateful that, like, through working the steps and, like, having a sponsor and stuff that I now, like, had the ability and the knowledge to know that, like, when I fuck somebody over, like, I can make an inventory on that shit right then and there, and, like, I can make amends right then and there. Yeah. And and I don't have to worry about staying up at night thinking about what I've done or who I've fucked over um, or or who I'm going to fuck over tomorrow. 
Yeah. I, I mean, so a big, a huge part of it is that I'm not intentionally fucking people over today. Yeah. Back then, fuck yeah. I'm like, whatever. It's all about me. I'm going to get what I want. And if it means that you're going to get hosed over it, tough. Yeah. That's well, just the price. Can you, can you drop a memory of making amends to someone really quickly? Like in the moment, like going, okay, I'm screwing up here. I've got to, I've got to make amends. For yeah. This. It was actually really interesting. Me and my sponsor had just got done, um, doing five, six, seven. We did five together. I did six, seven. Um, and, and he told me to go ahead and, um, make that list. So I make that list. And, um, after we go over that amends list, that night, I was riding up. Me and a buddy went to a meeting, and afterwards, he asked me to ride with him somewhere. He said he had to go pick something up, and and I rode with him. and And we we start pulling in this neighborhood, and like I recognize the neighborhood. Um, it was the neighborhood of a kid who um I had fucked over pretty bad when I was out on a relapse, stole a bunch of money from him. I was living in his house, and he came home, and like it was completely trashed. It, it was it was really really bad, and we start pulling in this neighborhood, and I'm like, "Where are we going?" Um, and and sure enough, we pull up at this dude's house, and I'm like, "What did your sponsor know?" He he didn't. My sponsor didn't know we were going to this dude's house, but he knew that I'd fucked this guy over. He was like the first one on my men's list because we had been beefing back and forth all week about how much money I owed him and everything. Uh-huh. And it turned out that like we ended up going to this dude's house the day I, after I finished my writing out my eighth step, um, and, and I was able to make an amends right then and there. And he was like, "Dude, just stay clean and like you don't owe me anything." So it was um, just you weren't planning on no, going. I, Your buddy was, was just like, "Hey, come with me yeah, somewhere." I, and, and I, I you didn't went. even I didn't even know that they knew each other. Wow! And, and oh, we ended. Yeah, yeah that that's some is, of that that cool stuff. It was that's, it was it was so weird. That's like, coincidence. When, when we got there, like I remember, <laughs> I remember I thinking, like, okay, I'm gonna have to fight this dude. Like, I made sure I had my knife in my pocket and everything. Like, I thought it was about to go down. And then, like, that, I just had this, like, overwhelming sense of calmness and was like, you know, like, this is the time to, like, do something right for once and, and really, like, work these steps and, like, practice this program. Um, so I, I made an amends right then and there. I asked the guy to step outside with me, and, and I made that amends, and he was like, dude, you don't owe me a dime. Like, I really accept your apology. Um, just please stay clean. Wow, and it, it, Tyler, it, it that was, is cool as shit. It was really cool. Um, it, it was it was a really weird weird well, you know, situation. So, so the moment that you so so you you were like ready for a fight, and then there was this moment, another moment of clarity, yeah. if you will. I, I love this thing. I had had a, a, a former sponsor who pointed out this phrase in the big book that's to the effect of uncommon thinking will become common, mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's one of his favorite phrases. Blair, he's been on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was, that's exactly what you just described of, wait a minute, no, this is a chance for me to do this, 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 clean things up, do the right thing. Uncommon thinking for us. Yeah. And now that's become a common thing. Yeah. It, it was so weird because like we had literally just gone over the eighth step and everything. It was, that is it so, was cool. so weird. Like That happens. That's happened to me. I yeah. had two, two people just showed up. And people I never see, never see them. And I was ready to make amends. I, I, in fact, uh, I was sitting with my sponsor. We had been talking about amends. We'd gone over it. And one of the main guys that I didn't want to make amends to walked into the restaurant and sat in the booth behind my sponsor. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and I was going, do you, do you know who that is? He's going, yeah. I think it might that that's a sign when when you got an immense list and one of the names starts flashing, then you know <laughs> that's the that's the time that you need to do it. And it's like things are working out for me that I can't work out for myself. Now now at this time I'm completely comfortable calling that God, but I wouldn't have. Oh yeah. Originally I was gone. Oh that's crazy. But those things happen, and you know if I'm on the path on the path. Things, good things happen. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I just, because I like to make sure that people out there who are like me hear it, as an atheist, I call that a God thing too. 
You know, you it doesn't matter what God is. God is that power that's larger than myself that helps me to stay sober. And I just changed the word God to be in that thing that's real that happens to me. Mm-hmm. And what you're describing is highly unusual that you suddenly that afternoon appear there at that guy's, if, uh, not by your will, someone else's will end up there. These things working out are, are the thing that is outside of myself that is helping me to stay sober. Yeah. And that's what I call God now because it's way easier than trying to describe that force. <laughs> and every time there's an interconnected uh, Don, web stop. No, stop, 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 stop. No, we do not. Stop. We all stop, are Don, a part stop. of that which... <laughs> <laughs> Three hours later, <laughs> I do. I do want to just put this out there that like relapse is a part of recovery, um, and unfortunately, the kid that I rode with over there has since passed um, as a result of this disease. Mm. He's he's missed, but it, it, it it's crazy. I'll always remember that that moment. Wow, we you don't know, all make it back. No, from a relapse, not at all. I've gotten um, really connected with the young people in AA community. Um, over the past year or so. And one of the things particularly being connected with so many of y'all on uh, Facebook is that I am seeing so many more people die. Yeah. Uh, And you may have numbers, but I know that that it's disproportionate. The number of young people who are dying from relapse uh, compared to those of us, you know, in, in my age, the age group of 40s and on in the 90s um it's the drugs you missed that (laughs) don's in his (laughs) 90s uh the hearing's not gone um but yeah so i mean it it is it's one of the things that over the past year i've really noticed that i just see so many more of my friends talking about losing someone and i have lost some friends now too it is a sobering thing and something that uh, that I think needs to uh, to be spoken about uh, because one of the things, particularly when drugs come into play and the drugs that are out there now, fentanyl and shit like that, one relapse can kill you. Yeah, definitely. Um, I've, I've lost a lot of friends over the past two years to it. And um, actually now studies are showing that that the majority of people that are dying are between the ages of 18 and 24 and 60 and 65. Um, I don't know what's going on in between those two age ranges, um, but that the people between those ages are, are dropping like flies. There were over 78,000 overdoses last Jeez. year. So I, uh, the thing that I would say around all of that is if drugs and alcohol are a problem for you and you can honestly own that jump into the middle of the boat grab an oar and start rowing with us and stick around because alone we die yep together we can do this Tyler thanks for being here I don't want to worry you but there's uh a giant owl Watch out over your head. Hold your hat. Oh, God. Hold your hat. Oh, It'll God. Snatch it's about to get me. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> t- t- Tyler. I I'm got back. it. I got it. Did you get oh, him? Thanks for catching me. Oh, God. Me. Good. Okay. Hey, it's time for our old timers question. Who you calling an old timer? You, yo. I mean, uh, you. That's what happens if you don't drink and you don't die. No matter how long you've been sober, it's still one day at a time. Shani. 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 Sugar, you- sugar. <laughs> you can post a question for us on boiledowlaa.org. Uh, we have a question. This is from Boyce B. in Brooklyn, New York. All right. Boyce asks... How long should a newcomer wait until they do a fourth step? There's a lot of opinions on that. I mean, What's yours? <laughs> I think that they should do a fourth step right after doing a third step. <gasps> <laughs> now, is that right That's... as in immediately? 
I think I don't think that there's any reason to drag it out. You do a first step, do a second step, and you can spend a little bit of time on these things. And when I say spend time on these things, I mean talking with a sponsor. Mm-hmm. That's what I did. I talked with my sponsor. And I remember him saying, because the third step is um, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Well, I didn't understand God yet, and not one bit. And I wanted to talk about this and debate it and get to where I understood what we're talking about with this. And he said, Don, there is a God, and you're not it. Okay, we're moving on. So (laughs) (laughs) it was just to do the next thing, because... Actually, my understanding of God developed after working all the steps and still developing. And so st- in fact, I just don't understand. It's not important for me to understand. So it was unnecessary to uh, drag that out, but it was good to talk about it for a while to get some understanding of it so that I could get the willingness to do the fourth and the fifth step. So I, I don't see any reason in taking forever to in reading Dr. Bob and the good old timers. We were talking about that. You know, they were they got people to do a four step the same day that they came in almost. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like you do a prayer and you start on your four step and you, you're making amends within a couple of days. Now, it seems like people take longer than that doing it. But another thing to remember is it's not going to be the only time you'll do a fourth step. I mean, I had a feeling that I really wanted my fourth step to be very thorough and correct (laughs) and right. I wanted to be right. gold star. Yeah, I wanted a gold star on that thing. I had a a sponsor say, ask God to direct your thinking, sit down, write the inventory, following the list that's in the big book of uh, my anger list, my... I'm not going to be able to name them. Anger, resentment, resentment fears, fear, harm's sex done, inventory. And, sex. and what, if I write those four lists and I ask God to, to direct my thinking, well, I don't edit it when I start writing. If I think of something, I don't have to go, well, I don't know if I need to put that down because that I don't know if that was bad. No, you put it down. You ask God to direct your thinking. You put it down. And you and everything you put down is down. And you've you've done everything you can do, and then you share it with your sponsor. So... This feeling of having to do it correct is unnecessary because you'll have an opportunity to do a four-step again later. Mm-hmm. And I've done mm-hmm. it over the period of time that I've been sober. You know, I don't know. Every five years I've done another four-step. And it's been different. It's not the same stuff because it's like what we talk about, peeling the onion. And once I've corrected some things, you know, that were character defects things that I've done. I don't need to make amends for those things again. I've made amends, corrected, but it's like enabled me to see other parts of my character that were hidden by the really bad stuff. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to get it perfect. Go ahead and do it right when your sponsor says to, and no point in dragging the thing out. That's my opinion. Thanks, Don. Tyler, what are your thoughts on that? How long should a newcomer wait until they do a fourth step? I know I needed to do one right away. I was sick as hell. I don't really think there is a time. I like what Don said. Um, right after a third step, um, the book says we launch into a course of rigorous action. Um, and that's what I did. I think I was maybe 60 days sober when I did a fourth step this time. So I, I hopped right in it. And my sponsor was like, this is what we need to do. So I did it. Very cool. I, lo- I love that you uh, recite that. I, I'm, I'm like, always got to look shit up. Um, and so I will point out that... So yeah, you yes, get a gold star. <laughs> it does say yes. we launched on a course of vigorous action, but there's a word you left out. Mm. Right after the third step in, in, in the big book, it says, next we launched on a course yeah. of rigorous action. And that, you know, that is that thing. You know, you do the third step and then you pick up a pencil yep. and start writing. So I, uh, when I started over, I went to a, um, a conference, uh, you know, I love my sobriety conferences and I went to uh, the hot Lanta roundup 
uh, Labor Day weekend down in Atlanta in 2012. And there was a speaker there, Lila. I've mentioned her before on the show. She was 42 years sober then. And my God, she was awesome. It's a fantastic talk. And one of the things that she talked about was taking someone through the steps. Basically, get your ass in the in the rooms, four, five, eight, nine, a little bit of 12, and then go back and pick it all up and start studying. Mm-hmm. And that was a thing that the, uh, the group of uh, recovery folks that I was hanging out with in Durham at the time were just like, they glommed onto that big time. It was like no dilly-dallying. Just, you know, steps one, two, three, boom, boom, boom. Now start writing. Do this fourth step. Do this fifth step. Six and seven, we'll talk about it later. Just do them. Eight and nine, get that list of amends written. Let's start making amends. Let's get this work done. Now go help some other people. And now let's circle around and really start looking in deep at first step, second step, third step, fourth step. It's kind of like Scrape the crud off the yes! surface. Yes, yes, <laughs> it's pre-washing your dishes. <laughs> <laughs> so I am all about, you know, I mean, I, I and I here here's Sam providing some judgment on the podcast, but you know, uh, I know that there are people out there that have told me that they've got they, that a sponsor has them working a step a year. What? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> why the hell are you going to deprive someone of the solution? When you've taken away the only thing that they thought was a solution, which was drugs and alcohol, you know, drugs and alcohol are now no longer part of my life. I've still got this big ass problem called Sam. Give me some solution. Well, the solution is working the steps and I am not going to drag my ass on it. I did the first go round. It took me eight months to start my fourth step. Really? And, you know, and I, it, it was what I needed. It was what I needed at the time. I needed to just come in and be a part of for a little while. And I've said it many times that the obsession to drink was removed shortly after that last drink. But what I got clear on was that I needed to work these steps to keep it gone. And so I did. I don't recommend waiting eight months to start your fourth step. I certainly don't recommend dragging it out over another three months. But that's what I did. Well, um, the, the goal it worked. The gold for me came with making amends. And I would hate to have waited that long. In fact, my relationship with my higher power and so much of what I understand to be the way recovery works came after completing eight and nine Mm -hmm. and making the amends, having gone through that whole process and cleared out the wreckage of my past. Yes. And then I'm able to live one day at a time. And... That didn't happen till after that. I mean, to carry that on for to, why you don't want to deprive someone of freedom that, that comes from that. Agreed, one hundred percent. And coming back to what you said about you know eight and nine, that that being where the gold is, that's why I don't wake up in the middle of the night thinking about something I said ten years ago. Right. Take care of that already. Yeah. All right, Tyler, thanks again for joining us. Thank you all so much for having me. This was really awesome. I really appreciated this. It was That's way cool. Here. Yeah, I'm really awesome. glad you joined us, especially awesome. since, you know, we got snowed out last time. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Hopefully we get some more snow pretty soon before winter's over. Hush you. <laughs> A snow owl. <laughs> I don't think that's what a snow owl sounds like. Thanks for joining us. The Boiled Owl Podcast is posted on the 1st and 15th of every month. Visit us at boiledowlaa.org or email giveahoot at boiledowlaa.org. If you want to know more about AA, Google Alcoholics Anonymous and your city or visit aa.org. Please note, Boiled Owl AA is produced by members of AA and only expresses our experience and opinions. It is not endorsed by AA World Services. We also have guests from NA. Yee-yee! That was good. So that's okay. And in sobriety date, we know it's Memorial Day, whenever the hell that falls. That's right. And that's another issue. But anyway, (laughs) when uh, in 94, that was when coffee shops first came to Greensboro. There never were any coffee shops in Greensboro. And two or three coffee shops opened up. 
And it was fantastic because it was happy hour. I'd get off work <laughs> and go to the coffee shop. And I was accustomed to going to happy hour. Yeah. Yeah, and, it's like going to the bar. Yeah, I was going to the bar and hanging out and meeting friends and go, well, let's go to the coffee shop. And it, oh, man, I was, I loved it. I spent all my time there. So there's nothing like some coffee. And spending five bucks on a luxury coffee, I mean, that's still cheaper than a mixed drink. Yeah, it's way cheaper. When, like when for- you compare every day, I went to happy hour, and I'd be lucky if I got out in three hours <laughs> from happy hour. <laughs> and, you know, one of these coffees, even a fancy coffee, is the cost of one drink, you know? So I'm getting off cheap. Yeah, and you're never having just one when you're sitting at the bar. Mm. <laughs> oh, my God. So uh, um, Free Spirit, AA group, uh, Saturday nights is read Dr. Bob and the Good Old Timers. I'm and reading that la- with my sponsor. Well, last night, one of the passages that I, I related so strongly to this, like, towards the end of Dr. Bob's life. And they were like talking about how he didn't like his food hot and he didn't like his drinks hot. So at the start of a meeting, when he'd get to the meeting place, he'd pour five cups of coffee and put them on the counter and let them cool off and drink those throughout the duration. Five fucking cups of coffee. Wow. They drank some coffee. Apparently. I totally related to that. Still do. And he was also fond of college wrestling, and I, I, I totally get that, too, for different reasons. <laughs> and he liked convertible cars. Calm I, can, I can dig the convertibles. Not much on college wrestling, but... Oh, man. <clears throat> well, he's an interesting guy. He's, he's a strange guy from reading Dr. Bob and the Good Old Timers. Dude, have you met was, other alcoholics? We're all strange. Yeah, really. We're all but, I mean, weird. he was like a... Um, he always came off like being real stern, but Ooh. he was actually not, and was pretty wide open guy, but some of his language, a frail for women and stuff like that, the the slang that he used, it was just <laughs> like... I need to read this book. I, I kind of got turned off to, of, of the book by going to this meeting, and, mm. and, and it's just like not a really good book for a meeting format. Yeah. So I, uh, I, I, I stopped going to the meeting as frequently. Yeah, and oh, uh, but I think good. I'm gonna pick up a copy of the book and just read it. It's real. I'd readable. like to check that out. I haven't read that one yet. Yeah, it's got some like interesting. I mean, it's, it it's it's really dry in the beginning. I mean, it's like reading a history book with dates and names and dates. I and think names. it's not dry compared to AA Comes of Age. It's not dry. I, I think it's well written. Well, I think AA Comes of Age happens to be a fantastic tome, and. <laughs> I think it's probably all because it's general service and history of AA. You know what? You and I are just the other way around from each other. <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> I mean, it's not even a 180. It's more like a 720. we got to throw a flip in there. <laughs> totally. Oh, That's God. what it works, I guess.